0: Before we begin, I wanted to let you know that we have a study guide for you, and I'm going to ask the deacons to come down. Just raise your hand if you didn't get one. They should have been in your bulletins, but if for some reason you didn't get one, you can go ahead and raise your hand, and we'll make sure we get one to you. Seven axioms of temptation based on Genesis 39. Now, we don't have screens up, so you can't tune out and just wait for the words to pop up on the screen to fill in the blanks. So you have to pay attention, although I will tell you a little secret. If you can see well enough, there are little in fine print at the bottom. There are the answers. But I discovered subconsciously I messed up. And so some of the answers are missing. So you have to still pay attention. Sorry, even if you can see well. So today, I was six years old and I was living in a trailer park above Pacific Union College. My dad was a teacher at Pacific Union College. And I was hanging out with some of the older boys in the neighborhood. And we were up by the airport, the air park. Uh, if you've been to Pacific Union College, there's a, up at the top of the hill above the college, there's a there's an airport up there. And there was this tree kind of near one of the runways, or tree or bush, I can't really remember, but it was... It was this darker wood and the the skin on the wood kind of peeled off. And one of the older kids said, I remember this this very clearly, said, these branches look like cigars and so we should try to smoke them. (laughs) This was like the first conscious temptation I have in my life. This is the first conscious temptation I have in my life. And deacons, I don't know if we have any more. I don't know if the choir wants them. Yes, the choir, you have them? Oh, okay, you got them, okay. So Elmer's telling me that you have them. Joy, do you need one? Joy told me that the first thing she does when she shows up at a church is she shakes out all the nonsense that's in the, in the bulletin. I've, I've got an extra one here if you want to take notes. You go home and you watch it again just make sure. I'll, I'll ask you about it next week. Okay. But anyways, this kid says, I, I wonder if this... Or he said, I, want, "I this looks like cigar, we should try to smoke them. And I, now I had enough family members that smoked to know that how my parents felt about uh, smoking. And I, I figured that they wouldn't even like me pretending like I was smoking. The second thing I knew was that playing with fire probably wasn't a good thing. I wish I learned that lesson a little better as there's another similar story at Pacific Union College about me and fire that we will tell another time. But when one of the kids pulled out a lighter from his pocket, the temptation picked up. This is my first recollection of this this thing we call temptation. And it's something that I've been battling, temptation, this horrible component of the sinful world, ever since. And if you think about it hard enough, I'm sure that you can recall probably that first tempting moment of your life and probably even easier you could without much thought you could recall your most recent tempting moment which is why today's sermon though very simple and straightforward i believe is for a hundred percent of us because i have yet to meet the individual that has not been tempted in this world if you want to open your bibles with me the book of genesis chapter 39 and we thank jerry for reading our story today this chapter is about many things i'm sure But one of the most obvious things, and something that is relatable to all of us, it is a story that has elements that address the idea of temptation. And while you're turning to Genesis chapter 39, I can tell you, unfortunately, at six years old, I did give in to that temptation. And I can also tell you that there is no stick that smokes like a cigar. And uh, so I would say stay away from cigars and sticks. There's no point in smoking either of them. And, uh, but this story in Genesis chapter 39 that I want to share with you, seven axioms about temptation, just seven, seven understood truths that I believe that we can, we'll be able to relate to about temptation that I get from the story in Genesis chapter 39. Now last week we looked at how Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery, and if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to uh, go online and to watch that sermon. I, I really... There's times as a preacher that you can feel kind of the air change in a room, and last Sabbath was one of those Sabbaths, and, and it seems to have affected online, too, as that sermon just has, has gone uh, pretty wide and far, and we thank you for, for sharing that. But, but last week, we talked about uh, how Joseph was sold by his brothers into s- slavery, and, and Joseph goes, and he's, he's purchased by an individual, Potiphar. And he goes to dwell in this house. And Potiphar is a, a powerful man, one of the leaders of, of Egypt. And Joseph does a great job. In fact, the Bible tells us, and this is a key statement, and we'll come back to it later, but the Bible tells us at the beginning of chapter 39 that God is with Joseph. He's a, he's a slave, he's in a strange land, he's in a strange home, but the Bible tells us that God is with Joseph. And, and, and everything that Joseph is doing, is, is being blessed, and the master recognizes this, and so he puts Joseph in charge of his entire house. Now, unfortunately, the Bible also tells us that not just Potiphar recognized uh, Joseph. Verse 7 in chapter 39 tells us that after a time, his master's wife, that's Joseph's master's wife, Miss Potiphar, cast her eyes on Joseph and said to him, lie with me. Now, I want us to remember something that Jesus said in John chapter 15, and this will lead us into our first truth about temptation. But in John chapter 15 and verse 20, Jesus said to his followers, remember this word, the word that I said to you, a servant is, no, is not greater than his master's master. If they persecuted me, Jesus said, they will also persecute you. If we are truly connected to Jesus, we will experience persecution for that connection to Jesus Christ. And here is the first axiom about temptation. The devil uses temptation to persecute you. The devil uses temptation to persecute you. This is a tool of the devil that he uses to persecute you harm you to infect you to impact you to bring stress if your life into your life if you have been tempted consistently which probably like me you have because you are human then you understand this reality even if you've resisted and been an overcomer of temptation you know that that temptation still wears on you it, it, it begins to, to grind on you, and you can feel that persecution. There's moments that you resist, and you resist, and you thought, man, I've been resisting this for so long, or maybe you've struggled with it, and now you've overcome it, but it keeps rearing its ugly head, and you wonder to yourself, is this ever going to go away? That's, that's, that's a persecuting feeling, a stressful feeling in your life. It is the persecution of the devil. The devil uses temptation to persecute us. The second idea about temptation that I want us to notice from this one text here, it is this, our temptations are often in the same nature as that of the failures of previous generations in our family. The temptations that we experience are often of a similar or or, or close nature to those of the, the the failures of previous generations in our family. Verse seven says this, and after a time, his master's wife cast her eye upon Joseph and said to him, come and lie with me. The, the, the temptation here is of a sexual nature. If we look back at Joseph's family history, his great-grandfather Abraham, his, his father Uh, His brother, we look at their family history, we see that within this family context, there are many moments in which these individuals had struggles with the same nature of sin, some sort of sexual sin. And now we see the devil coming to Joseph and trying to tempt him in a similar nature. If you think back upon your family, if you, if you look at your family history, you may also recognize that some of the things that my parents struggle with, some of the things that my grandparents struggle with, some of the things that my, my great-grandparents struggle with, oh, what do you know? I struggle with those same things. There seems to be a historical connection. The devil got your grandpa that way, your daddy that way, and he's maybe trying to get you in that way as well. And Joseph is tempted in a similar nature. This is something to be true. Maybe this should cause us as, as adults, as parents, to be mindful then of, of the things in relationship to our kids. If we know that there was something that we struggled with as a young person, maybe be more mindful of that as we look at our kids' lives and what's going on with our, our children. Joseph, though, we can say, praise the Lord, did not fall in the same area as his brother did or as his father did or as his great-grandfather did, but he refused this temptation and said to his master's wife, behold, because of my master, because of me, my master has no concern about anything, this is verse 8, in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife." How then, this is the key statement, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Notice the structure of this this paragraph, of this statement by Joseph. He speaks of the great trust his owner has put in him. He speaks of the blessings that his his owner has bestowed upon him. His whole paragraph is a recognition of what the owner has done for him. It would seem that then the next logical statement would be, if my owner has done all this for me, then how can I do this great thing against my owner? How could I do this great thing against Potiphar? Look at what he's done for me. But, but no, he goes from addressing all the things that Potiphar has done for him, and then he says, but how can I do this great thing, this great wickedness, and sin against God? We must understand this about temptation. Surrendering to temptation is always, and you may want to put that in all capital letters, is always, first and foremost, a sin against God. Yes, it is good to think of others and be worried about others, but if others are our primary reason we don't sin, then guess what? Because we're human and because we're fallen and because we're sinful people, eventually we'll find a way to rationalize our our way around those others that we're trying to protect. Ellen White wrote this in the book, Patriarchs and Prophets. Under the inspecting eye of God, the holy angels, and, and the holy angels, many take liberties of which they would not be guilty of in the presence of their fellow men. But Joseph's first thought was of God. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? If we were to cherish a habitual impression, she writes, that God sees and God hears all that we do and say and keep a faithful record of our words and actions and that we must meet it all, we would fear to sin. I can always rationalize away from temptation into sin if I don't pause to remember it hurts Jesus. I can almost always rationalize away from temptation into sin if I don't remember God sees everything I do if we really are honest we would recognize that most of us don't hate sin that we know is private and will be kept secret quite as much as the sins that we're worried about others seen those ones that we know we can hold kind of inside and no one else is going to see we maybe don't hate those quite as much as some of those public ones the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament and, and, the, and a version of the Bible that Jesus surely used and surely knew, translates the end of this verse, Antonion to Theou, which if we translate it is this. Joseph is asking, how can I do this great wickedness, not against God, but he says, how can I do this great wickedness before in the sight of God's eyes? How can I do this great wickedness in the sight of God? God's eyes something I remember my mom saying to me when I first started dating early on in my life uh, not early on in my life but when in my, early on in my dating life my mom said this to me she said remember Chad if you can't do something in front of your mother don't do it now that's a great statement and a great idea but here's the workings of a teenage mind there was two things that I knew one my mom wouldn't always be there. And two, I wasn't gonna tell her, so she wouldn't know. Folk, especially young folk, let me say to you over here, your parents may not always be there. My mom wasn't always there, my dad wasn't always there. But God is always there, and God always knows. God is always there, and God always knows. Some of us adults, older then the young adults here need to know that as well. God is always there and God always knows. As the story continues, though, we see uh, the persecution of temptation of Joseph didn't end. The the persecution of Joseph continues on. Just because he said no doesn't mean the persecution said, okay, I'm gonna leave you alone now and I'm gonna move on with my life. Verse 10 of chapter 39 says to us, and as she spoke, this is the wife of Potiphar, as she spoke to Joseph, day after day, it was an ongoing thing, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. The fourth axiom about temptation is this. Temptation is perpetual and persistent. As long as we live in this world, temptation is gonna go on and on and on and it is going to continue to be persistent which means we can never let our guard down. One of the most painful lessons that I learned, I remember something very clearly, one of the most painful lessons I learned early in my walk with Jesus is just because I thought I was beyond a struggle, just because I had said no to a struggle at one point in my life, didn't mean that that temptation would not come back again. I said no to something, I, I thought, well, good, yeah, I, now I have strength, I'm, I have power over it, and let my guard down, and didn't realize that, 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 that I could put myself, or there could be times when I would be back in a situation in which I needed to face that again. Ugly temptations then rear their heads again when we let our guards down, thinking that this is no longer an issue. Learn the lesson from Joseph. Learn the lesson from me. Temptation keeps coming time and time again. The Bible even speaks of, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 4, the Bible speaks of of our struggle against sin. It says, you have not resisted to the point of death, some of your virgins say, or or to the point of of shedding blood. In other words, this would paint the picture that that temptation is an ongoing and persistent thing, that, that, that that it is going to continue coming, as Paul describes, or as the writer of Hebrews describes, I believe Paul says, even to the point of shedding blood. Satan may send something to you subtly and you stand strong. Then he comes back. He sends it stronger the next time and stronger the next time. And he may send it to the point where you feel that, man, my life literally hangs in the balance. Temptation is perpetual and persistent. But Joseph, he kept resisting he kept resisting potiphar's wife and potiphar's wife kept tempting day after day after day the bible tells us one day the bible tells us that joseph was in a location where no one else was or was around he was doing some work and and mrs potiphar found him and she cornered him and and she literally grabbed a hold of him and she pleaded lie with me be with me What Joseph did next gives us our next axiom regarding temptation. If you're in a tempting moment, that seems beyond your control, and this isn't the axiom, but it's leading up to it. Run, run, run. And if you can't run because you're too old, then walk really fast. Something I've learned. I don't know if it's the way God made us, but, but there is a positive, I guess it's the way God made us. There, there seems to be a positive mental value when we not only say in our minds no to a sin, but we actually take a physical action against that temptation. Not only when we say no to a temptation, but when we actually take a physical action against that temptation, whether it be running or moving quickly or destroying something or throwing something away or yelling out no. Something that that the physical action somehow seems to strengthen our resolve against that temptation. Before I met Jesus, as I've shared a thing before, I had such a foul mouth. And after accepting Jesus, I noticed one day as I was going through some of my music that a lot of my music that I owned also had quite foul uh, language in it that I hadn't noticed before. It's always funny how Things you didn't notice at all, suddenly they pop up and you notice them. But now I noticed it. And I was looking at my music one day and I noticed this. And I had two of those big CD towers. You guys remember those CD towers? Did you have those in your house? The young people were like, What? It's all right here on a phone. Why do I need a Spotify, Pandora? I got all my music right here. But we had CD towers. And I had two that were probably about this high, just full of CDs of all my music, and I, I was looking at those one day, and, and suddenly I was convicted that if I keep this music here, it is going to continue to be a temptation to me and, and the corruption of mine. Now, I had all kinds of music, and I, I love music. I have eclectic taste. Um, the staff, I know, loves going out to eat with me because music pops up, and I just burst out in a song. We were actually someplace the other day, and, and, a, and a Bon Jovi song came on, and Pastor Jason all of a sudden said to me, I'm surprised you're not singing yet. It's just, you know, it's something I used to listen to, and it's there in my brain. I just start start singing. But that day, I was looking at all this music that I loved and I liked, and I said, you know what, this is not good for me, and I had this conviction, this is always going to be a temptation for me. And rather than just saying, you know what, I'm not going to listen to that music anymore, I literally went into the kitchen, I grabbed a black trash bag, a black plastic trash bag, and I went into my bedroom, and I don't know why I did it this way. I don't know why I didn't just pull the CDs off one by one, but I knocked the towers over, and the CDs fell on the ground, and I began to gather them up and throw them in the trash can, and then I took that trash bag outside and I didn't go to our trash can. I went a few houses down from our house, and I found a neighbor's house, and I made sure no one was looking, and I went and I put the trash bag in the neighbor's trash can because I knew that if it was in my trash can, I'd be tempted to go back and get it. So I had to really take an action, so I went down to the neighbor's and put it in that trash bag. Sometimes you need to take a physical action against temptation, not just that, no. When my sister found out that I had gotten rid of my, all my CDs and my music, she said to me, why did you do that? You could have sold it at the store, or you could have given it to me. And I said, I'm not going to let my, the devil corrupt my brain or anybody else's brain. I was very zealous. My 13-year-old sister was like, slow down, brother, slow down. But the act was a powerful thing for me. I still, I still remember it. And here is that axiom. Temptation is best resisted if we respond to it immediately and in an intentional manner. If we respond to it immediately in an intentional manner. No pondering, no lingering. Run, destroy, throw it out, yell. Do what you need to do. Just go. Joseph is the great model for us in this and that he ran. And I love that the... the, the, the that the Bible gives us that verb, that, 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 that word. It doesn't just say he left the room, but he ran. He got out of there. Now, when you read the whole story of Joseph here and you read this whole section of Genesis chapter 39, because we are a society that loves the immediacy of results and we love immediate actions, we may be tempted to think to ourselves that this story should have a happy ending at this point. Like, he's resisted. Look at all the examples of he's resisted time and time again. He's shown his loyalty. He's shown his his faithfulness. Now, at this point in time, he needs to be rewarded. That's how we kind of are as a people. We've done something good. We want the immediate reward. We've done something good. We expect an immediate reward. But here is the second to last idea that I want to share with you about temptation. Sometimes, folks, resisting temptation has negative temporal earthly consequences. Sometimes when we resist temptation in this world, we still face negative, temporal, earthly consequences. The Bible tells us that Joseph isn't immediately rewarded in his earthly journey for resisting the temptation. The story tells us that that Mrs. Potiphar, being scorned, decides to get her revenge by saying, Joseph tried to get frisky with her and she is the one that, that drove him away. It is is clear that her husband does not believe her, otherwise Joseph would have ended up dead. But still, he has to save face, and and so what happens to Joseph? The Bible tells us that Joseph is sent to prison. Choosing not to submit to temptation, I wish always resulted in warm fuzzies. I wish it always resulted in, in good immediate results. You resisted temptation, good for you, pat on the back. There is your reward. Here, here is, You're going to get a job promotion now. But sometimes resisting temptation costs you your job. You're, you're confronted with something and your boss says, you need to do this. And you say, that goes against my ethics. That goes against my morals. That goes against my, my beliefs and my understanding of what Scripture teaches. And the jo- boss says, well, either you do it or you lose your job. Sometimes you lose your job when you resist temptation. Sometimes you lose Friends when you uh, resist temptation. Your friends are doing this. That's who they are. That's who they want to be. They don't want to have you around if you're not going to do it with them. And so you lose friends when you resist temptation temptation. I even knew a, a pastor that lost his wife because he resisted temptation. His wife came home one day and said, you know what? I'm tired of this whole ministry thing. I want no part of it anymore. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And she started from that day forward beginning to live her life in a certain direction. She was going out partying and dancing and doing all these things. And she would tell her husband, I want you to be a part of my life. You need to come with me. And finally she put the ultimatum to him. Either either you give this up, your ministry and you give all this up, or you come and you be a part of this world. And he said, I can't do it. And she said, well, then I'm gone. If you're not going to participate with it, in this with me, then I am gone. He resisted temptation, and yet there was still a negative earthly consequence. Many of these consequences may be close to unbearable at times. Losing a spouse would seem close to unbearable. Maybe they had felt unbearable to Joseph, but Joseph knew something, and there's something that was communicated in the Bible, a reality of Joseph's life, that gets us through these things. You remember at the very beginning of the story, the Bible begins the the story of Joseph in chapter 39 by telling us that, that the Lord was with Joseph. And then we go to verse 21. Joseph does the right thing over and over and over and over again. He resists temptation over and over and over and over again. And Joseph ends up in prison. And yet the Bible tells us in verse 21, I believe that Joseph knew this reality, which is why he was able to stand strong in the face of it. The Bible tells us, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. While decisions to be true to God have brought some levels of loss and discomfort in my own life and probably in some of your lives, I believe probably most of us would say and affirm that we would not replace one of those decisions because ultimately, as we, as we resisted the temptation, as we deepened with the Lord, even if there was some temporal negative consequences, we recognized uh, that the Lord was with us and it strengthened us and it grew us. I'll close with this. Temptation is too strong for us. None of us are able to endure or resist temptation on our own. The only power over temptation is found in that great proverb, Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your hearts and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Now some of your bibles say and he will direct your path. I prefer the translation which is the Hebrew translation which actually says and he will make your path straight in other words it is a work that he will do for you if we say Lord I'm going to trust in you I'm going to lean on you I, I know that you're with me I'm going to draw near to you Lord and I cannot resist the temptation but as I draw near to you Lord I know that you will make my path straight I know that you will give me strength I know that you will give me the power to walk through this Don't rely on your own strength. Don't rely on your own thoughts, on your own opinions, on your own understanding. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. Surrender to him and he will work out the strength to overcome temptation. Nearness to Jesus through his power alone are we able to face temptation without hurting our savior, our family, our friends, or ourselves. We've sung today already about drawing near to Jesus, and we're gonna sing about it again in just a moment. The fact of the matter is this. Temptation, as long as we are in this world, is going to continue to come. And something else I know about myself, and maybe you know about yourself, sometimes I give in to that temptation. And I praise the Lord that when I give in to that temptation, God give, I praise the Lord first and foremost that God gives me the strength to overcome temptation, and so I pray for that every single day. But secondly, I do praise the Lord, that at times when I do struggle or give in to that temptation, I praise the Lord that God does not remove himself from my presence. As Pastor Not prayed, he remains near to us in our sinful state and bids us to come to him again, to start afresh again. I wanna encourage all of us on this Sabbath morning And as we think about the life of Joseph and we think about temptation, let us remember that nothing is possible without being near to our Lord and Savior. So let us today seek him with all our hearts and all our minds.